Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the John Campia Podcast, episode number 32 for Monday, July the 18th, 2016. My final podcast. Uh, my final show until I head down to San Diego for San Diego Comic-Con. Not sure uh, how I'm going to do Wednesday's show. might just be audio only. might just be a cheap little webcam. I don't know, but I'll, I'll still put up something on Wednesday for sure. I talked about it on the last episode, guys. I get, I get so excited for Comic-Con. I get so excited for Comic-Con, uh, not just because of all the great things you see and all the great people you meet, but everybody's there and everybody's happy, and I, I there's no point in me going over it all again. But I do remind everybody, once again, if you're going to be in the San Diego area, uh, number one, first of all, if you're going to be at Comic-Con, not just in the San Diego, San Diego area, but if you're in Comic-Con, don't forget my annual Masters of the Web panel is on Thursday at 11 a.m. in room 7AB. The theme this year is how we got started, how you can get started. We're going to be talking about getting involved in blogging, podcasting, YouTubing, whether it's for the movie fan sphere or other fan spheres. Uh, that you're involved in. Come join us. It's going to be myself, Jeremy Johns, Gray Drake, John Schnepp, Tiffany Smith, Christian Harloff. We're going to talk some movies. We're going to talk about how you can get going or how you can improve maybe your YouTubing, your podcasting, your blogging, whatever. So come on down and join us for that. And of course, we've got the Comic-Con HQ panel Thursday, I believe it's at 2.30 in the Indigo Ballroom in the Hilton Bayfront Hotel. And the Film HQ Collider Video and Schmoes No Meet and Greet. It's going to be at 5 p.m. on Thursday. I believe it goes 5 to 8, I think. Anyway, 5 p.m. on Thursday is when it starts at the Comic-Con HQ outdoor stage that's outside, right beside the Hilton Bayfront Hotel, in between the Hilton and the Convention Center. You can't miss it. So, with all that out of the way, let's get into the first couple of topics. I'm going to start with this. I'll start with a little television. Um, I had a couple people tweeting me the other day saying, John... Have you watched this or have you started watching this new Netflix series with Winona Ryder uh, called Stranger Things and Matthew Modine? And like, no, I, as a matter of fact, I haven't even heard of Stranger Things. What, like, what is this? And so Anne was really interested in it too. So the other night we watched the first couple episodes. I'm hooked. I'm hooked. Look, I'm not going to get all hy- hyperbole here and say, oh my God, this is the greatest thing on television since Sons of Anarchy. No, I'm not going to do that. But it's set in the 80s. It's kind of a mystery, horror, adventure kind of, and it's really weird because at the core of it is this group of, uh, these group of little kids who might be, after just two episodes, my favorite group of kids since the Goonies. These guys are wonderful. I love seeing these kids together. It's got a little bit of the, what was the name of that J.J. Abrams film? Eight Millimeter? I think it was called. I wasn't a big fan of eight millimeter, but um, it's got a little bit of a feel of that. Um, it's kind of there's there are things going on. There's like sci-fi elements to it. There's supernatural elements. There's horror elements. There's comedy elements. There's like uh, you know preteen adventure elements. It's hard to describe Stranger Things, except that I'm only two episodes in, and so far 
I got to tell you, I, I'm pretty damn hooked on it. I am pretty damn hooked on Stranger Things. If you haven't checked it out, it's on Netflix right now. Go over there. Check it out. Let me know. Once you do check it out, let me know if it's something that you like uh, and that you enjoyed or not because I'm on board. I cannot wait to get home today and watch these three. Actually, I leave tomorrow morning for Comic-Con. I'm leaving at like 9 a.m. tomorrow morning. And I think there is a good chance I may binge watch the final like eight, nine, ten episodes. I, I didn't even see how many episodes are in the season. I don't know if it's 10 episodes or 12 episodes, whatever. I think there's a fairly decent chance I may binge watch the entire series before I go. But um, yeah, I'll talk more about Stranger Things the more I get into the series. Like I said, I'm only two episodes in, but uh, so far I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing. So if you haven't checked it out, Stranger Things, now on Netflix, go check it out. Um, this next thing, going to go back to the, the Star Wars stuff. According to a lot of people, um, you know, going into Star Wars Celebration, last year, a lot of big things. We had the, the big Star Wars Episode Seven trailer. That, of course, had, you know, grown men crying and all that kind of stuff. And it was big. And we had, um, you know, the Rogue One stuff. And we had the Rogue One teaser. And there's a lot of significant things got announced at Celebration this year. And I, I'm the sense I'm getting from everybody was Celebration was pretty underwhelming this year. First of all, we thought for sure. I thought for sure. I thought for sure. I was, there was no information to back this up. I was just predicting, but I thought for sure, man, that they were going to announce an Obi-Wan standalone, at least movie, maybe two or three movies. And I thought they were going to have Ewan McGregor come out on stage and nope, didn't happen. A lot of people thought for sure we would get a title for episode eight. Nope, didn't happen. A lot of people thought for sure that that uh, that we'd get a, another announcement for a standalone film that's going to be in development. Nope, that what didn't happen. A lot of people thought for sure we're going to get some more casting. Alden Eyreich is uh, is our new Han Solo. We know that he's going to be Han Solo in the young Han Solo movie. A lot of people thought for sure we're going to get new cast members. Other people were going to be in the cast announced. Nope, that didn't happen. Um, basically, nothing happened. They had some nice panels. The biggest thing, the biggest thing coming out of Star Wars Celebration was the Grand Admiral Thrawn and the Rebel Season 3 trailer. That was the biggest thing. Now, I'm a, you know, I'm a big fan of Rebel Season 3 or Re of Rebels in general. I'm a big fan of Rebels. I'm a huge fan of, I lost my freaking mind when I found out Grand Admiral Thrawn was going to be in there. But it's Star Wars Celebration. The, your, your cartoon network on Disney XD that most people don't watch. That shouldn't be your biggest thing coming out of there. So, I mean, whatever. I mean, who cares? It's it's a convention. They went. There were some great panels. They had people come out in stage. But, I mean, I don't know, man. You, you just figured they were going to drop something at it, something significant, something about the movies. Um, you know, if you're Christian Harloff, you thought for sure they were going to drop news of a Netflix TV series. I never thought that was going to happen. But who knows? it still might, eventually. Um, little bit underwhelmed. However... Uh, one really cool thing came out about Star Wars, and that was this, was that we got information that it looks like, for the first time ever in a Star Wars film, Star Wars Episode Eight will pick up, and a lot of us suspected this, but we didn't know for sure, but it looks like Star Wars Episode Eight will pick up immediately where Star Wars Episode Seven ends. Now, usually in the Star Wars films, a bunch of years pass in between the episodes. In this case... 
Um, that's not what's going to happen. We are going to pick up right where it left off. And one of the significant things about that is we are going to get the funeral of Han Solo. Now, obviously, spoiler alert for the five of you out there who haven't seen The Force Awakens yet. So, you know, Han Solo dies in Episode 7. Um, but his body was like down at the chasm of Starkiller Base before it destroyed, was, blow, was blown up. So they don't have a body per se, but they're still going to have like a memorial service. And I thought that was really cool to hear that that's going to be there. And apparently they're going to really make it emotional. It's going to have some emotional renaissance to it. And also what I heard was that, you know, in Star Wars Episode Seven, J.J. Abrams made a mistake. And he came out and he admitted, I dropped the ball. That was an oops on my part. I made a mistake. When after Ray and Chewie get back, Han had just died. Chewie and Leia just pass by each other and don't even acknowledge each other. The two people closest to Han Solo in his life, after Han Solo dies, and they just pass right by each other and Leia and Ray hug. And a lot of people are like, what? What the hell's going on? First, they take away Chewie's medal. That was fucked up. And now, like, Leia won't even give him the time of day after his best friend just died. And J.J. Abrams was like, you know what, man? It didn't even go through my head. That was just an editing decision. And it wasn't until afterwards that I realized, oops, that was a mistake. So apparently, from what we're hearing now in Star Wars Episode Eight, they're going to address that. And I think we're going to get our Leia and Chewie moment. Um, either before the funeral or at the funeral, or right after the funeral, or one of the, those three things. Apparently, they're going to address that, and I think that's a really cool thing. The other thing that came out about Star Wars is that this has been going around, and this by no means is a done deal, but it looks like this is going to go the way I don't want it to go. <laughs> Uh, we've been talking for a while about whether or not there will be a, the, the traditional Star Wars opening crawl in the standalone episode, the, the, the anthology movies, in the Star Wars stories movies. By the way, I, I still pretty much refuse to call it a Star Wars story. It sounds so stupid. It will have nothing to do with how awesome the movies are. Don't get me wrong. It's just a title. It doesn't matter. But a Star Wars story makes it sound like a Twilight movie. Um, Star Wars anthology, Rogue One. Please go back to it. I know they won't, but please, Lucasfilm, go back. It's so much better. So much better. Anyway, that's just me. Uh, again, we'll have nothing to do with how awesome the movies will be. But so there's been discussion about whether or not there will be the opening crawl. And Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, and she's awesome, uh, came out and said a few weeks ago, and we talked about it on Jedi Council, that they're trying to decide whether or not to have the opening crawl. Now, if you guys have been watching my stuff, you watch Jedi Council, you follow me on social media. And by the way, if you don't follow me on social media right there, just follow me on Twitter and Facebook at John Campia. Um, you know my position on this. It's Star Wars. You give it the opening crawl. For heaven's sakes, the comic books have opening crawls. The video games have opening crawls. What will differentiate, I mean, I've heard the argument that, well, by not having an opening crawl in the Star Wars standalone anthology movies, that will differentiate them from the main episodic movies. That'll, that'll give a, a sense of difference between the two. It's like, you've got two hours of a movie to make them different. The opening crawl should not be the thing that makes it different. The, the opening crawl is so distinctly Star Wars. And if you want to make with these standalone anthology movies, like Rogue One, like Han Solo, like whatever else comes next, Obi-Wan, if you want to make them feel like Star Wars movies, 
start off by making us feel like we're watching a Star Wars movie. Give us the opening crawl. It's a great narrative device, first of all. It's a great filmmaking tool that you can cover a lot of exposition and cover a lot of story setup in just like 30 seconds of a crawl. But that's not really the thing. The thing is, is it, that's the fingerprint of Star Wars. You know, it's the John Williams score and it's the opening crawl. I, here's the problem. Look, is it the end of the world if they don't use the opening crawl? Absolutely not. Not the end of the world. Again, the opening crawl will have nothing to do with how good or bad the movie is. But I do not see, there, nobody has offered me, like people who argue for the idea of taking out the opening crawl, their arguments usually are based around why it won't be so bad if they do it. I have yet to hear one legitimate argument about what the benefit is of taking out the opening crawl. Not one legitimate argument have I been presented with, maybe you've heard them, but none have been presented to me, about how it would be beneficial to take out the opening crawl. The only arguments I hear about is why it wouldn't be so bad to take out the opening crawl. Well, that's that's not a good argument. I can give you three great arguments of why it would be awesome to keep it in there. It's the fingerprint of Star Wars. It lets you know immediately that you're there, and it's a great exposition to where I have to right off the bat. Bang, bang, bang. There you go. Three solid, legit reasons. Give me one legit benefit. Give me one legit benefit about how it benefits Rogue One to not have an opening crawl. There is none. There's no argument to support that. So anyway, Kathleen Kennedy, whereas before she was saying that they're trying to make up their mind, now she's hinting at, she's saying, it kind of looks like we won't. Now she hasn't come out and definitively said that they won't do opening crawl yet. Um, but that's probably coming, but she hasn't said that yet, but she has said, it looks like we're leaning that way. It looks like the, the anthology films, the standalone stories outside of episodes seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, outside of the episodic stories that these movies will not have opening crawls. And I just think it's a mistake again, not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. It ain't going to affect how awesome the movies are. Don't let's not get too much hyperbole in this. It just doesn't make sense, though, to me. I, again, no sense. Tell me why. Why not have the opening? Well, because it'll uh, it'll set it apart from the movies. Really? That 30-second thing is what's going to set that movie apart from the episode? The movie itself won't set it apart from the episodic stories? That's not a legit reason. That's not a legit reason to me. And you can't give me a legit reason because there are no legit reasons. There's no drawback to having the crawl. There's no advantage to not having the crawl. So I don't know. That's just that's just me getting a bee in my bonnet. I have no idea what that saying means at all. I'm I regret saying it. Anyway, okay, let's go on to the next thing here. So I'm gonna bring up the actual numbers, but Ghostbusters uh opens up. Now you guys know this has been a very divisive movie. Um a lot of people there were hate campaigns levied against it, some of them quite sexist, um, all that kind of stuff. But Ghostbusters has been a very, very divisive kind of film so far. But the um, the critic scores have been actually quite good. Uh, the last time I checked, it was rocking a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, a certified fresh. So that's cool. Uh, but still a lot of division going around about it and the trailers were terrible i mean we've talked about this before but the trailers were ungodly terrible like really really awful and somebody asked me i think on the podcast 
a number of uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago, asking, do you think Ghostbusters will get sequels? And I said, man, I, I don't know. I mean, it's all about how it does at the box office. But if it gets down, if it makes like 40 million opening weekend, then it's probably a good chance they won't get a sequel. I mean, if it hits 100 million opening weekend, guaranteed sequel. But if it gets like 40 million, I have my doubts that it'll get a sequel. Well, the numbers are in. Ghostbusters domestically made $46 million opening weekend. And that has got to be a disappointment. Huge disappointment. You know they were thinking this was a $100 million opening film four or five months ago. Before they put out that first awful, terrible, that people should get fired over trailer that they put out. Uh, once they put that out, they probably readjusted their expectations a little bit. But $46 million, that's got to be seen as a disappointment. And, and I'll say... Uh, a letdown, a major letdown for the studio. Now, that would probably lead you and me to believe that, well, that probably does it for the franchise, but apparently not. One of the presidents at Sony came out and said, we are most certainly doing a Ghostbusters sequel. Like After the box office numbers came out, one of the presidents at Sony came out, we are absolutely doing a sequel. We are most certainly, I mean, it's not greenlit yet, it's not on the books yet, but we are most certainly doing a sequel. And that is curious for um, for a kind of a, a letdown like this for what they had. 46 million bucks for, on a movie that, that uh, the budget was 144 million. That means this movie needs to clear about probably three, I'm going to say 350 million to break even is probably what this movie needs to do. Um, and I just don't know that I see it getting to 350 million. This movie will probably end up losing Sony money. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll get a second win. Maybe Sony really believes in the film. Maybe they believe, maybe they see that the audiences are liking the film, uh, because their tracking numbers have been good. Their, their polls have been really good for, for exiting audiences. So maybe they're hoping that word of mouth will get out that, Hey, this is actually really entertaining. You should go out and see it. Um, that's possible. And so they're thinking that, or maybe they're just thinking, look, we know we blew the marketing campaign in this and that sunk this movie. We won't make the same mistake again. Maybe Sony is thinking the box office is going to crash and burn because we blew the marketing. We totally blew it. So let's correct those mistakes. We still believe we have a good franchise. We still believe that if we put out another one in a couple of years, we'll do the marketing right this time. And it'll do well. I'm not saying that's what'll happen, but I'm saying it's got to be one of those things going through the heads of people at Sony because you don't just go ahead and greenlit, greenlight a sequel to a movie that lost your studio a lot of money. All right. So it's either got to be they have all the faith in the world that word of mouth is going to get out and it's the movie's going to find its second win at the box office. Or number two, they got to be owning up to the fact that they know they blew the marketing campaign. And if they do another one, they got to believe that they'll do the marketing campaign right. And maybe it'll turn out to be a hit this time. And I, I mean, honestly, it's, it's curious. But look, they have put a lot of energy and effort into this Ghostbusters thing, right? They got these four big female stars. It's a beloved property. They put a lot of effort into this. You knew it wouldn't be a simple thing for Sony to just walk away. Right now, studios are like desperately trying to find franchise films, films they can make franchises out of. And they've got the Ghostbusters and they need this to work. They want it to work really bad. So you knew they weren't going to walk away easily. So, but still, I got to tell you, I'm a bit surprised that they're going with it. 
All right, folks, those, those are the main topics I want to talk about today. Now I want to get into your questions. Now, as you know, on my show here, I uh, save some time to take your guys' questions. Simple way to get a question or a topic you'd like to discuss in the show to me. Just email me at the John Campia podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's the John Campia podcast at gmail.com. Just send in your topics that you'd like brought up or send in your questions to me there. Maybe you'll see your question brought up on the show. And the first question today comes to us from Lewis McAllister, who writes, with Matt Damon recently saying he would join a superhero project if Ben Affleck were to direct him. Do you think there is a possibility that he might show up in Affleck's Batman film? You know, I would have said no chance in hell. Um, I mean, and, you know, there's still there are some people out there fantasizing that Matt Damon will come in and be Robin. Matt Damon ain't going to be Robin, okay? That's, that's just simply not going to happen. But, you know, I, I would have said no chance in hell, but you never know. I mean, do I see Matt Damon showing up as a superhero in the Ben Affleck Batman film? Do I see Matt Damon showing up as a supervillain in a Matt Damon Ben Affleck in a uh, Ben Affleck Batman film? I don't see that happening. But what could possibly happen is you could see Matt Damon show up in like a Joseph Gordon-Levitt role where he's a cop. Maybe he's a cop. Maybe he's a crime boss. Maybe he's just an employee at Wayne Tech. I mean, I wouldn't say that it's highly unlikely that Matt Damon doesn't show up. I think it's highly unlikely that Matt Damon shows up in a Batman film as another superhero or as a supervillain. I think that's highly unlikely. But, but showing up as something? As a Commissioner Gordon type? As a, a Montoya type? Uh, as a... Um, you know, as, as one of, as a, as a regular person who plays a role in the film, I could theoretically see that happening. Likely, no, but not highly unlikely either. But, and also, you know, Matt Damon, uh, let me just look up here quickly. Um, how old is Matt Damon? I think Matt is now in his 40, yeah, Matt Damon's 45 years old. And I, like, Ben Affleck could do that with Batman because they wanted Batman to already be a veteran. He, they wanted Batman to have already been around for a while. I don't know that I see Matt Damon just in general outside of the Batman films. I don't know that I see him playing a superhero anytime soon. Because once again, superhero films are franchise films. And I don't know that they want to start a superhero franchise, like start a superhero franchise with Matt Damon at 45 years old. Unless they can find the right character, but... I mean, I don't know. They want somebody that they can play. You know, all the studios are looking for people to play their heroes that they could potentially be playing their heroes for the next seven to 10 years. Uh, is Matt Damon that guy? I don't know. I guess maybe I'll change my tune when I see the new Bourne movie because he does look pretty badass in that and maybe he could carry it for another 10 years. Who knows? I could be totally wrong about that. Now that I think about it, maybe I am wrong about that. But anyway, to the back to the major question. Could we see him show up? It's possible. I just think it's very unlikely that it would be any sort of exceptional character. It would probably be an average character uh, if it were to happen. And I still don't think it's likely, but not necessarily highly unlikely. All right, let's get on to the next question here. And this one comes from R. Cruz, who writes, My question is, 
What are your special San Diego Comic-Con surprises? Something unexpected that blows everyone's minds, like Batman versus Superman announcement or Godzilla 2K14 in previous panels, that you would like to see announced this year. I would personally love to see Warner Brothers finally put some clarity on their Mortal Kombat reboot after all of those years of rumors. Yeah, a lot of people have been uh, looking for what's happening in the Mortal Kombat world because remember there was that web series, Annihilation, I believe it was called. Then they had a director on for a new Mortal Kombat. Then that fell away. Now, lately, Christopher Lambert, who played Raiden in the original Mortal Kombat, He's been, he said he's seen the script for a new Mortal Kombat and that they're trying to get it going. And he says it'd be very different from the originals, but he would be involved in it. So there could be something moving that could be interesting. I think here's what I would love to see. And it's going back to Star Wars. Since they released so little information at Star Wars Celebration, and we already talked about that, they essentially released nothing except for Grand Admiral Thrawn and, and Rebel Season 3. They basically released nothing. I still believe there is a chance. There's nothing on the schedule. But I still believe there is a chance at the Disney panel at Comic-Con that Ewan McGregor walks out on stage and they announce an Obi-Wan movie. I still That's the surprise I want to see. I want to see that surprise. I think that would bring the house down. I think it would be a huge Comic-Con moment. I think it would dominate the airways. Disney would win Comic-Con. If they lead out with, you know, um, Ewan McGregor walking out on stage to a big giant graphic on the screen behind him, Obi-Wan. Star Wars Anthology, Obi-Wan. Not Obi-Wan, a Star Wars story. Star Wars Anthology, Obi-Wan. The, the Tatooine years or something, whatever. That's a stupid title. But I think that would have the potential to bring the house down. I, it would have to be something Star Wars level because at this, there's not a lot of surprises left for Marvel or DC to do. I think the big thing would be Star Wars. I don't know that that's happening. There's nothing on the schedule of that happening, just to be clear. But for me personally... That's the one that would make me go, hold the phone. What is happening? That would be pretty damn cool. All right. This next question comes from Fred Tutens. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Fred. And Fred writes, hi, John. In the past, you have talked about MoviePass. I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on the new pricing structure that they are trying to implement. I do not recall if you stopped, if you, sorry, if you started or stopped using the service or if you continue to use it. Do you think this product can actually work? Well, thanks a lot for the, for the question, Fred. Uh, yeah, I did sign up for MoviePass. Now, for those of you who are unaware, MoviePass is the service where you get a card. It looks like a debit card. And the basic gist of it is, you get to go to one movie a day, every day. Couple of asterisks there. Asterisk number one, you can only see a movie once. So if I use, let's say right now, if I used my movie pass to go and see The Conjuring 2, I can't use it again to see The Conjuring 2 again. Okay? So that's number one. Number two, you can only use it once a day. I, I think it used to be every 24 hours. So like if you saw it at 1 p.m., on Saturday, you wouldn't be able to use it again till like 101 PM on Sunday. But I think they changed that to just different calendar days, which is better. So you can only use it once a day and it doesn't 
work for, it only works for standard 2D screenings. It doesn't work for IMAX. It doesn't work for 3D. You can't use it for that. So those were the little um, asterisks that went along with uh, Movie Pass. I used it for a while. At the time, I believe I was paying 30 bucks a month. And that meant for me, I needed to see three movies in a month for it to be paying for itself. Because where I live, it's about 13 bucks for a movie ticket. So if I go to see three movies, I'm in the black. That's 39 bucks I would have spent on tickets. Instead, I'm spending 30 bucks for the pass. I'm saving nine bucks per month. And then if I go to four movies or five movies or six movies in a month, then the, the value really starts to add up. What happened though is that while I was using it, they announced that they were raising the price to, I believe at the time it was $45. And then at that point, it became, okay, well, wait a minute. Before, if I just saw two movies, it was almost breaking even. If I saw three, I was saving nine bucks. I was in the black. Now I got to see four movies just to basically break even. And, you know, I, I see, for me personally, I see a lot of my movies at press screenings. I still go to the theater a lot myself on my own, like outside of press screenings. Um, but I see a lot of movies at press. Would I be going to the movie theater four times a month? And at that point, I thought, no, it's not worth it for 45. And then the average film goer, the average film goer does not go to four movies a month. Like, and in some areas, it's cheaper, like 30 bucks in some areas, but there the, the price of movie tickets is probably cheaper. So it still probably works out to three or four movies a month you got to see. Is the average film fan going to see that many films? And I don't know. So I just knew for me, it wasn't, their value wasn't there anymore the value wasn't there anymore for me to continue using MoviePass. So I canceled my service a while ago. Now word comes out, they have bumped the price up again. Now it's around 50 bucks here in the Los Angeles area anyway. I think it might be a little lower in different areas of the country. But here in Los Angeles, it's 50 bucks. And I know that it's not worth it for 50 bucks to me. Uh, it might be to you. If you go to six, seven, eight movies a month, Different movies a month, like not go to see the same movie because that wouldn't count. But if you go to see six, seven, eight different movies every month, then even at 50 bucks, movie pass is a value. Then it is worth it. But for somebody like me, um, and I believe most people, it's simply not, the value isn't there. So you're asking, can a product like this actually work? Yes, a product like this can work, but I, you have to find ways to bring that price point down. You, it can't be 50 bucks a month. It just can't. I just don't see it surviving at that. Uh, maybe I'm right. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's just my thoughts on that. All right. Final question of the day. And this one comes from Chris Warden. And Chris Warden writes, what's up, John? Hope you are well. Thank you very much. I am well. As a matter of fact, I'm leaving for Comic-Con tomorrow. Anyway, uh, with CBS announcing a new Star Trek TV series for 2017, do you think Star Trek Beyond will be the final film in this current film universe starring Chris Pine? Well, thanks a lot for the question, Chris. And you know what? It's interesting that you sent that question in today because just this morning, Paramount has announced that they have greenlit the fourth installment of the Star Trek, the new Star Trek franchise, and they've even given some story details. This time, Captain Kirk, played by Chris Pine, and they said also in the press release that all the other cast, surviving cast at that point, like RIP to, uh, to Anton Yelchin, we miss him. But all the surviving cast will be returning as well. But in this new one, Captain James T. Kirk, played by Chris Pine, will come face to face with somebody who's haunted him his whole life, his own father, 
That's right. A lot of people forget that in the 2009 relaunch of Star Trek, Captain James T. Kirk's dad was played by a pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth. Before any of us saw Thor, before he was Thor, Chris Hemsworth was James Kirk's dad. Uh, he's the guy who saved the ship and went down with his own ship. I think this is great because I'm a big fan of Chris Hemsworth. I love the idea that they're bringing back. And remember, time travel, some of you remember me talking about how time travel does not work for Star Wars. It is not a part of that universe. Don't do it. But time travel is a standard go-to story hook for Star Trek. It's a traditional Star Trek story hook. So now they didn't say it was going to be time travel. Maybe it's some interdimensional reality rift. Maybe Doctor Strange does something. I don't know. But the important thing is here, there's going to be a new Star Trek film, a fourth Star Trek film, and this one is going to have Captain Kirk and his dad, two Captain Kirks, uh, father and son, Chris Pine and Chris Hemsworth. And I think that's really exciting. And especially given how good Star Trek Beyond is. Like, I hope most of you have seen my review. If you haven't, just look on my YouTube channel under reviews. You'll see my Star Trek Beyond review. It's really a wonderful little film. I think most people are going to really enjoy it. It's the movie that I think does the most out of the new franchise to bring together and make happy the fans of the original series and the fans of the new franchise. There's a really nice balance between the original series Thinking Man sci-fi and the new action-adventure stuff for the modern age. I think this is a nice blend of the two. I think most people are going to love it. Now, a lot of people were thinking that since Star Trek is launching the new TV show, as Chris mentions in his question, that... That means they won't do another movie. And I'm not sure why that's been the prevailing thought. Because in the movie world, like especially the last number of films that they did, there have been television shows, Star Trek's television shows on the air while movies were coming out. So I'm not quite sure where this idea came that if they do a television show, they can't do a movie at the same time. So I'm not sure why people believe that, but that was a prevailing thought out there. But I am super excited about this. I think it's wonderful. Like, again, I said, especially coming off such a great Star Trek Beyond film, I cannot wait for you guys to see it. They're actually doing the world premiere at Comic-Con on Wednesday night for the first time ever at Comic-Con on an outdoor IMAX screen. Crazy. It's going to be so much fun. I can't wait to be a part of that. So I cannot wait for you guys to see it. And yeah, Star Trek, baby, Star Trek. Anyway, that'll do it for me, guys, for this installment of the John Campia podcast, episode number 32 here on Monday, July the 18th. Thank you so much for joining me. And let's don't forget, if you're listening to this podcast uh, through a podcast feed, make sure you open up the John Campia podcast in iTunes, even if you don't normally use iTunes. Find it in iTunes and make sure you rate and comment on it. That helps me out a great deal. If you're watching this on YouTube, hey, take a second, subscribe to the YouTube channel, share this video around, post it on your Twitter, post it on your Facebook page, uh, get the word out about the John Campia podcast. And hey, make sure you're following me on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter, all of them same place, just at John Campia. That's where you can find me. Uh, make sure you check out our show, Film HQ, on the Comic-Con HQ network. You can find me during the week on Heroes and Jedi Council on Collider Video's YouTube channel. I'm all over the place right now, so make sure you're following me there. And once again, if you've got a topic or a question or would just like to write to me, Drop me a line on social media or send me a note at thejohncampiapodcast at gmail.com. So that'll do it for me, guys. Thanks for a lot for joining me. My name's John Campion. Until next time, bye-bye. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. 
Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.